Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the best new up-and-coming political talk show, It Gets Progressively Worse. My name's Brandon. And my name's Kyle. And coming up, we've got some great content for you. Yes, we do. So today we're going to be focusing on more recent events, uh, but some other big things coming soon. Absolutely. Next week, we're going to be kicking off our series on deep dives on big political issues. Um, That will be the 2024 presidential election about a year out. But after that, we're going to do some more deep dives on other big issues. We're also planning some pretty cool guests to get onto the show and for an interview. All of that and more is coming soon on It Gets Progressively Worse. But without further ado, let's get into some of the top headlines this week. Let's do it. Last night, Joe Biden gave his State of the Union address where he addressed Congress and the entire nation, telling us how his term has gone so far one year out from the election. He touched on important topics like Social Security and Medicare, as well as the war in Ukraine and the great progress that has gone in the economy over the past three years. Yeah, overall, it seemed pretty well received from both sides, kind of surprisingly. So outside of maybe a couple fringe representatives, Um, but it it was pretty interesting. And one thing I definitely got from that is I'm definitely seeing he's got running for president. I feel like he's made that pretty obvious through that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I feel like last night was a great showing for his absolutely standings. And I feel like he definitely is on good footing to run again. I feel like a, a lot of the problems that we see with Joe Biden is the media really focuses on his gaffes and everything bad he's done. The Biden administration just needs to do a lot better of a job getting what he has been doing. Out there, like it, it's it's a messaging night. problem, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I do want to say is a, a key message throughout it was he bragged about his accomplishments, as every president does. But it was also interesting because he really stressed the idea that the work is not done, which is kind of where I got that idea from. But I'll, I'll tell you who I was kind of impressed with, Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy had basically every incentive to go out there and just be terrible to him. Uh, kind of like Marjorie Taylor Greene did. But he, he sat there respectfully, so I was pretty impressed with that. He was very respectful. And there were even points when the Republicans were heckling with Joe Biden that he would, you know, shush them. And he, obviously watching him the whole time, you would see, like, he rolled his eyes. But he was, for the most part, respectful with, like, what you would expect from something like and, that. And full disclaimer, I do not support Kevin McCarthy at all. But I, I was impressed with him. And he's had a couple showings where he's shown to be even if not the classiest guy, classier than a lot of people currently in that party. Well, I think that was the problem during his election season is, you know, a lot of those not classy Republicans were trying to stop him from, you know, being something of an establishment figure. If we're going to talk about uh, some people being anti-Kevin McCarthy, we've got to touch on our good friend Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, the thing with Greene is she was supportive of McCarthy, but she shouldn't have been. I mean, the only reason she was supportive of McCarthy was because McCarthy was offering her a job, so. Yeah, but it, it, was, it was funny. She was up there in, like, her supervillain costume. Yeah. No, <laughs> and she was, uh, she was booing him and yelling things, just causing a scene like she does. It, 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 every time I see her, I get a little more embarrassed for this democracy. I've got to be honest. I just want to, like, go back to, like, what she was wearing. She was wearing a white fur jacket. <laughs> she looked like Cruella from the Dalmatian movie, uh, 101 Dalmatians. It's like, who dresses like that? <laughs> I mean, you just look she at, she wants to be the villain. I she, think obviously, I mean, with her stuff with the balloon. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that, I mean that that was funny. Well, one thing I kind of appreciated though was Biden was able to clap back at a lot of like the heckling he got. Like he made jokes about people, and like I feel like and with with what we talked about earlier, kind of his messaging problems. That was kind of what he needed. It made him made him seem more relatable and funny. And also along with that, like he it, it felt more like a Biden speech, like a earlier Biden speech than a now Biden speech. 
He had a lot more energy. He was definitely feeding off of the crowd. Like, like it, was, it, was, it was interesting to see. It was a new side of Biden. I don't know if that was because Biden was just in a good mood or if that was because his team was like, this is the Biden we need to run again. But it was definitely interesting to see. I wouldn't say it's like a new, a new striper. I would say like he's been like this for a while. I, I feel like recently he's kind of lost some of that, though. I don't know if you've seen some of his more recent speeches. Maybe it's just because of the nature of some of them. I mean, they have been tougher speeches to give. But he, he just seems so much more less energy. Where today, he just really seemed to have it back in him. And that's probably because of the general. The, the, the nature of this address is just so much more. Biden throughout his career, he's he's been a very good orator for the most part. I mean, recent years, like since his vice president, like some, after the vice presidency, he obviously fell down, down a little bit. That just comes with age. So... I mean, he is a geriatric who's still running our country. I feel like we can't give him too much credit. But at the same time, I feel like the speech was very well delivered. And I feel like there's not a lot you can really dispute within what he was saying. So, Yeah, and another interesting thing um, was he announced new standards for construction materials to be made in the U.S. That, that, that was a pretty big moment. Um, I, I, definitely, I definitely think he's getting some momentum. And I mean, it's interesting to see how his presidency's evolved, where if you looked at just a couple months ago, people were like, no way Biden's running again. Biden's defeated. No approval rating. His VP is even less approved of than him. It looked bad. Things have really turned around recently. Yeah, well, I feel like since January 1st, and we're, only, we're not too far into February now, but since January 1st, the insulin prices have officially been capped at $35. That was and, big. And that's a big thing for him because that brings a lot of older people who might not vote for him into his camp because they you know, don't have to spend hundreds of dollars on big pharma anymore. And it shows that he is standing up against big pharma. Absolutely. I, I think overall that was a, that, that was a good speech. Would you agree? I would say so. Um, from most of his speeches, it's a, one of his better ones. Absolutely. His presidency. Yeah. All right. Well with that, we will start on our next topic. All right. So recently Donald Trump made a claim while talking to a uh, right side broadcasting networks, Brian Glenn, that with, I, I want to say he said one phone call. He might have said a couple meetings, too, because he, he expanded on it a little bit. But he claimed he could stop the Ukraine war, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, it's just funny because he said he could do it with a phone call. And I, I don't know why. I can't remember. But I feel like there was something else Donald Trump had a perfect phone call with uh, Ukraine. You remember that? Yeah, when he cut military aid. So. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it's the same way he could have ended the Ukrainian war was by cutting military aid. I feel like the Ukraine war would be over. But Russia yeah, but would we, we, we wouldn't be very happy with who won. Well, Trump would be happy with who won. I, I said we. Like, oh, we right. would yeah, not. Okay, yeah. No, it, it, it's funny. So he made the claim that Biden's statements forced Putin into attacking, which, I mean, was really confusing for me. Like, I get saying, like, we didn't support them because we don't. But to be like, well, Biden not supporting them. That's the reason that Putin attacked. No, Putin's the reason Putin attacked. Putin's been angling for this war for years. I mean, even during the Trump presidency, there were times when he was passing forces on the Ukrainian border. This was just an escalation that he couldn't de-escalate, and he just had to go through with it. He's a like most like most U.S. politicians right now. Putin's also an old man, and he's kind of losing his edge, and he needed it, you know. There was no stopping this war from happening. Yeah, but if if we're talking about him him like gaining prominence or anything, this really didn't help. It's been a really poor showing for Russia. Um, some of their equipment is faulty. They found crazy amounts of fraud. It's bad. Well, I, I always think, and I've been saying this like since the war began, is before the war, uh, right new right wing 
uh, news would always say, look at our military compared to Russia's military. Look how masculine Russia's military is. And if this is what a masculine military <laughs> looks like, I don't think the U.S. military should try to copy that. Yeah, I, I, th I think our military is already expensive and um, good enough. Uh, but yeah, so it, he claimed that he could negotiate an end of the war in 24 hours. That was that was his actual claim. And then said, and I'm quoting this, there are things you can say to each of them, which I won't reveal now, because of course he won't, um, which will guarantee that this war will end immediately. What do you think he'd say? I mean, I'm really interested. Maybe, maybe we should get him on the podcast, ask him how he would end this war so quickly. I think he would love to get on the podcast. I think, I think he would go in there and he would say, Vladimir Putin, we love you. We love Vladimir Putin, don't we, <laughs> folks? And, you know, if you were just so great, you would just already win the war. And Putin would be like, oh, I didn't think of that. And then he'd win the war, you know? It, and I one one problem I really have with Trump saying that is I blame Trump a lot for why this happened. Um, because you, you made the point that this was probably going to happen no matter what. But Trump really sided with Russia. He claimed he... Uh, believed Russia over our own intelligence multiple times, or I don't think he did it multiple times. I think he only did it once, but he sided with Russia multiple times. Um, we can go back to the Mueller report that, well, it's been dismissed more than I think it should have been because I think it had some good research in it. it, it it's just funny because we've seen him take sides with Russia and target Ukraine, but then he wants to talk trash on Biden for actually fighting against Russia. It, it, it's it's a little crazy to me. Well, in, in defense of and that's a sentence I don't like to say very <laughs> often. In defense of Trump, um, yeah, sure, because of his statements, like the mood on Russia has really been relaxed. Like originally, people would view Russia and they're like, oh, that's one of our enemies. But then under the Trump president presidency, it kind of relaxed a little bit. Well, that's because they are one of our enemies. Yeah, but under the, yeah, well, that's the thing. And then, so it kind of gave Putin this confidence that he thought, of the Americans aren't as aggressive towards us, maybe they will, you know. Just so, sit by and just let it happen. Yeah, and and especially after our showing in Afghanistan, you know, there, there wasn't really much faith in America as a military power and as the military's policeman anymore because of our own divided internal politics. So I definitely think you can shift the blame onto Trump a little bit, but not all the way. I, 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 and yeah, I would agree with that. I think Putin is bad, but I mean... Whenever we have, That's a hot take. <laughs> whenever we have the U.S. president, the quote unquote leader of the free world, out there, like, well, I believe you guys, not our own intelligence. It really sends a message. And obviously, I wouldn't say this is just Trump's fault. I mean, I feel like that—that's a trap too many people on the left get into. As bad as Trump is, he's maybe not the cause of every single problem. But I—I—I I, I think he at least definitely has to take some of the responsibility here. And I think that Biden has done. Biden has been much better with Russia, obviously, because we can't side with them. And they are bad for democracy around the world. A absolutely. And, and you can see this with Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine, maybe not the best democracy in the world, but it is a functioning democracy. And Somewhat. and and I mean, they're trying to take them over and put them under this authoritarian rule. It, it's bad. And I don't know exactly how much this was true, but there was a lot of reports that like Putin wanted to put the whole USSR back together. Um, I, I, I think that that might have been overblown. I don't know if he ever really truly intended that or if he no, was just trying he to... Did. Um, Putin's entire... He's a Russian chauvinist, but he also... So this, it's a whole different conversation going into Russians who want to bring back the Soviet Union. Putin is definitely one of them. He definitely feels that the Russian Empire and the Soviet Union, which were essentially the same entity in their imperialist goals, but they were 
that he wants to bring back that glory for Russia. And if Ukraine had gone better and gone quicker and not made as much of an embarrassment, more would happen. There would be far more pressuring on places like the Baltic states, Finland, even Georgia. Well, I mean, Georgia right now is sucking, you know, border disputes. It's a whole thing that we can probably leave for other episodes. But they're like, if Ukraine had gone differently, Putin definitely would have continued his imperial ambitions. I, I mean, yeah. And I think that this is a big point for NATO because although we didn't defend Ukraine, Ukraine obviously isn't a NATO country, but you've noticed they won't attack a NATO country for obvious reasons. They don't want to be attacked. So I feel like, I feel like that, 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 that is a big thing for them. Yeah, Article 5 has proven to work, which Article 5 did. Those of you who don't know, you, you know, article, I'm not going to uh, belittle you. Article 5 basically is if attack against one is an attack against all. So basically, if they had invaded a NATO country like, for instance, Estonia, who solved cybersecurity, uh, if they invaded Estonia, we, uh, we would have been forced under NATO articles to defend them. And Russia wouldn't take a step like that, uh, even yeah. despite the large Russian majority in Estonia. So. Yeah, that's exactly the point I was getting at. And he made a little nod to how Estonia has uh, solved cybersecurity. That, that, that's a joke from a debate. Maybe we'll tell that story one day. But uh, yeah, so without any further ado, I think we should just get right into our next topic, which is actually a really interesting, is this uh, Chinese spy balloon. I mean, the whole world's been going crazy about it. Um, so well, let's hear your thoughts on it. Uh, so the Chinese spy balloon is definitely something that's kind of captured the eye and the attention of all Americans. And that's think, for sure. And I think no matter what it was, I think that's been a, a massive success for China. I mean, really? here's the thing. It's... It's hard to say, but over the past couple of years, people who weren't realizing that we were in a Cold War with China are now beginning to realize that we're in a Cold War with China. China's always been the boogeyman. If you remember from the Trump uh, 2016 election, he would always go, China, China. Um, but that, that, that brings me to another interesting point I'll bring up later. Uh, but it, it is a big thing where it's like we are in this Cold War and tensions have really been escalating over the past couple of years. Biden's done has been not done, but he's been very hawkish in his policies. He has, like with the whole microchip thing. Yeah, I mean, and that's just one example of how he is actually taking steps to bring America back to the forefront, trying to make America a superpower again. Not pulling it out of trade deals, but bringing jobs back to America. You're about to endorse him or something? Um, I do, I <laughs> for those no, but um, I do think he's done a much better job in foreign policy than the previous administration. And back to the main topic of the Chinese spy balloon, China, so to my point, China, if this was a spy balloon, it obviously wasn't a spy balloon. It obviously wasn't trying to fly under the radar because we saw it immediately. There was no strategic like thing that the balloon could have captured that satellites couldn't have. So it really distracted the American populace in making them more fearful, realizing, oh, China's looking at us, China's doing this, China's doing that. And that definitely, like, because the U.S. has been scoring a lot of points in mm -hmm. the Cold War. A lot of like, we got bases in the Philippines now, we verbally committed to Taiwan, where Japan's building up their military now. There's so many things going on in the Asia Pacific that China's showing us that they can it's, they can make progress in North America as well. And as well as South America, because there's a second balloon found over South America. Well, and, and, and I read recently, and I thought this was pretty interesting. They said there's actually been a lot of these balloons. Um, we just haven't picked up on them. I know that they said there was like three or four that were under the Trump administration that didn't get revealed until recently. So it seems like it's something that's been going on for a while. Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, China has been trying to spy on us, like even if it's <laughs> things like TikTok, TikTok yep. and their satellites. I mean, it's no doubt that in the globalized world, 
it's not very difficult to do espionage. I mean, even the Russians like have it down to a T at this point with their hackers and all of that. I mean, it's it's such a big thing. And to like the actual facts of the uh, balloon is it was first spotted over the Aleutian Islands in uh, Alaska and slowly made its way down uh, the coast and towards Montana. Billings, Montana Billings, was the Montana city it was found where under. It was spotted and where the story kind of. Yeah, and that leads me to a question that maybe you'd have a better answer to because I really don't. I'm, I'm admitting for once I don't have the answers. Why Montana? So Montana is a strategic point in kind of the west coast of the United States where it's not really as able to be impacted by storms. And that's, that's where we keep our ballistic missiles. That's where we keep oh, okay. our nukes. Um, so people believe that the balloon was there to try to pinpoint our nuclear silos and try to create a plan on how to neutralize them. Maybe they have aliens there too. Who knows? Well, I mean, <laughs> we can't rule out anything. Uh, one of the big things with this balloon definitely is the conspiracy theories that have been surrounding it, mainly on uh, Fox News and other right-wing sites. But if there are some left-wing. I'm just, I don't familiarize myself with the left-wing conspiracies. Uh, but the right-wing ones, I found it really funny. Jesse Waters, um, whose name will come up a lot because uh, people I know are very big fans of Jesse Waters. And I, I'm exposed to him a lot. So Jesse Waters had a uh, crazy conspiracy theory that this balloon contained another virus like Corona to- No way, really? Yeah, and so <laughs> definitely that's true. It's 100% true. Um, and we really need to be scared. D disclaimer, this is a joke. Uh, don't hold us liable for this at all. No, you can hold me liable. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um, I know there's been other, some other crazy theories like Kellyanne Conway saying it was a bomb and all other sorts of things. But there's definitely like a lot of- discourse about this balloon i mean marjorie taylor green we mentioned it earlier in this episode did a stunt where she walked through the halls of the capitol with the balloon i mean it's crazy it's crazy like how people can take this and run with it and make it like the biggest thing in the world even though it is in the sense just a balloon it's not like a blimp yeah it's not like a uh, it's not like a jet it's a balloon mm -hmm. and i what well, i thought it was pretty interesting because obviously as, as all this came out people were uh going pretty crazy about it so uh, a Pentagon spokesman uh, said the U.S. government had been tracking the balloon for several days as it made its way over the northern United States. They, they, they said a lot about it. And then whenever it originally got shot down, they, they, so obviously they – or let me, let me rephrase that. Before they shot it down, there was a lot of talk of whether they should shoot it down or not. And it was really interesting because they, they ended up doing it over an ocean because they declared that was the safest place. But, I know, but, but originally they were saying we shouldn't shoot it down because they were worried of any possible debris or anything. Um, they, they, I want to say it was the Navy that recently put out uh, photos of them getting piece of it out. It, it's been pretty interesting because because of how big of a story this is, we've been able to kind of track it the whole way. Um, another thing I want to touch on though was was what China said as a response. Now, obviously, that's not the most trustworthy source in the world because if they were spying, why would they tell us that? But their claim that it was just a civilian's uh, balloon that floated off track. How likely do you think that is? I think there definitely is merit to that claim, but I don't think it's true. I think definitely. So you think it's a it's a well conceived lie? I think it is a well conceived. I and mean, let me tell you, the CCP is amazing at a good well conceived lie. <laughs> but um, I I think that there definitely is because when you look at a balloon, as previously stated, it's a balloon. It's not anything crazy. Satellites could pick up what it was tracking. So unless it was like a weather balloon meant to spy on how American weather is and global, uh, it definitely. Like, there's some merit, but I don't believe it personally. Yeah, um, th that is a good point. Like, so if it was meant to be a spy, 
balloon. There's other ways of doing it, but maybe it comes down to trying to get people scared. I mean, I think that's something you kind of touched on earlier. I think I think that's pretty interesting. Um, that's my conspiracy theory. But Secretary of State Anthony Blinken uh, recently postponed his upcoming trip to China over this balloon. So, like, it's having some pretty big effects. Yeah, well, I mean, and this is really big because this would be the first time within the past six years that a top diplomat has uh, visited China. So, definitely, it, this does cause, like, a ripple effect of furthering our, like, isolation from China, furthering our tensions with China, because we won't have diplomats there to speak with them because Anthony Blinken isn't going anymore. Yeah. Um, what will this lead to is still to say, but... I definitely think that it was the right call to wait because if he had gone and the spokesperson from the White House said this, if he had gone, the balloon would dominate the. Uh, the well, well, yeah, obviously it, it's been everything. Um, also, so U.S. intel sources uh, claimed that the spy balloon may be part of a broader surveillance operation. Um, so who knows what else is out there? I think that's that's something pretty important uh, to think about because we caught a balloon. Turned out there was more balloons. Who knows what else is out there that isn't big and round? Well, I mean, it depends on how big their spies are. Um, but there are, have been stories about spies, uh, like Chinese spies in California, sabotaging tech companies. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a credible threat that, I mean, and it's very clear that China has been spying on us and the CIA has been spying on China. And, you know, it, there's no secret in the matter that nations spy on each other. Yeah, but I, I was more giving a question of how. Like, who knows how? Who knows? Oh, well. Um, like, uh, we might not even know how. That's, that's what I'm saying is. Yeah. And it really raises questions with TikTok again. Like, TikTok is something that we has been talked about a lot. But it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, well, and that's just half of it. I mean, data collection is just a big problem nowadays. And that's a topic for another episode, not this one. But... You know, China. China's a big on that. So yeah. Well, with that being said, we're gonna wrap up this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. We will have another episode probably next week. We're still working on our schedule just a little bit, but uh, our our next will be our next episode will be a deep dive into the current state of the 2024 presidential election. We want to do that every couple months. Uh, just really keep up with it. Keep up with what's going on. So uh, make sure you follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, thank you for listening.